any stories you want to tell, you can tell them. Any stories you don't want to tell, you don't have to tell them. And um, I look forward to hearing from you, Sarah. Thank you, Alex. Hello, and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. Today I'm joined by one of my oldest friends, Sarah Pearson. She talks about being happy and how she's found confidence in herself and ways to be happy. And at the very end, she explains what exactly party sharks are. So stick around for that. And most importantly, remember that the point of this show is to show you that people all around us have interesting stories to tell. So I encourage you to take five minutes out of your day today to listen to someone around you. Sarah Pearson, welcome to my wax museum. That's what it's called. I didn't realize. Yeah, that's what it's called. Did I not tell you what it was called? No. Okay, now you know what it's called. But, very interesting. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, let's start off with how we know each other. Would you, is there like a moment where you remember us meeting? Oh, not of us meeting. I remember the first time I saw you. I okay. was in seminary in grade nine. Okay, seminary for, because not everybody who listens to this is, yeah. are uh, members of our church. Um, and so seminary is like a before school church class thing. That Scripture we study. Scripture study. Class, yeah. yeah. That's the best. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I remember meeting you or, yeah, seeing you first time. You were just introduced to the class. And, and you either probably had a red hoodie on or a blue hoodie. I was like, oh, cool. New kid. Yep. yep. His name is Alex. That's awesome. Yep. And that was, but I don't remember us having our first interaction with each other or anything. Yeah. I remember we started interacting more when we were in drama class. Yeah. And doing our space book. That, oh. The book that we re- wrote in high school. Yeah. That group that we had. There yeah. was this... um. I guess th- this school project that anyone could join and mm-hmm. we joined the writer's team. Yeah. And basically it was, a, we were writing a story, a children's story about humans going to Mars. Mm-hmm. And it was way more uh, scientifically accurate than I would have wanted. You know, I would have liked some aliens and some, you know, space, Wars and battles, maybe some like long lost relative that was they realized that one human on the team was actually an alien all along, and you know, but they had to have a biology team, so gross. We just made it all realistic. <laughs> I want to see your cut of the book. We should, we <laughs> should awesome. rewrite it. Let's do it. As, I actually have as a sci-fi adventure. I actually have a uh, a copy on my bookshelf mm-hmm. that I forgot about and showed my my nephew niece and nephew one time, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this thing is so long!" And so I just like summarized really each long. page. I was like, "You guys are three. You don't care about all these words." Yeah. But my niece did see one in her school library. Really? Yes. Yeah, that's so cool. that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I think. Every school in the city got two copies, right? Yes. A French and an English copy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I got two copies, um, a French and an English. 
It was a really cool project, actually. But it I was think, really cool. I think that and drama in grade 10, that's when we yeah. like, became friends. Yes, yes, yes. We, we did a lot of plays together and, and stuff. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, actually, I remember... Okay, before we really jump into things here, I remember when I was sick and... Do you remember this? Oh, I remember. And you had it. to play four, All characters. four characters. Yeah. So the project was, it was a two-character project where we each each two actor, actor project. Well, I mean, yes, that each yeah. actor had two characters. Right. So you had to learn how to switch characters during a play without looking dumb, mm-hmm. <laughs> but being actually distinctly different. And then he was sick. So I just did all four characters. I actually think I got 100% on that. Yeah, I remember hearing about it when I got back. Because when I got back, it was like, everybody was like, oh, you missed it. Oh, we're so glad you weren't at class yesterday and whatever. Everybody was delighted because apparently you were so funny and you did it so well. And in a way that everybody was so entertained. And I totally missed out on it. But the only way that it happened was... was you had missed out on it. Because yeah. I missed out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, drama class was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's really when we got to know each other. Yeah, became friends and such, yeah. Yeah, so tell tell me, where are you from originally? Uh, Calgary. Born and raised. Tell me about Calgary. Well, it's a city that I live in. Okay. And uh, other people are living in it too. What of it? What about it? Have you always lived here? Yes. Well, except for my mission. Okay. Where I, or when I went to Edmonton. Wow. Far away. I know. I know. The most exotic that I could go. So, okay. So you grew up your whole life in Calgary. Yeah. And what was like... What kind of experiences did you have growing up that were really, uh, I don't know, important for your development? Well, I th- I think that because uh, well, my family first of all is was very very um, important to my development and mm-hmm. it, it was the big they were the biggest influence of my character and my I guess my beliefs and views on life yeah and the way that i wanted to live life i have a mom and a dad just and um four older brothers and one younger sister so having four older brothers immediately already uh, gave me a really good perspective and a good experience with men in my life mm-hmm and I remember, like, and being in elementary, I just remember being friends with the boys, and the girls would go, Sarah, you're so good with the boys. I'm like, well, yeah, because I have brothers, and they're also just normal people that I can be friends with. Right. And, uh, and not realizing that I had an advantage there. And they were also very, very kind. People would always say, oh, you have folded brothers? Oh, I'm so sorry. Why are you sorry? And I never, I never got that, but I guess not everybody else's brothers are as nice as mine. Right. So do you, I mean, I don't know. I'm an older brother and I yeah. try, I try to be nice. Um, 
but I guess like, did you feel like they, I don't, I don't know what it's like to have older brothers or to be a younger sister or anything. So do you, do you feel like they looked out for you? Did you feel like you were friends with them or what was that relationship like? Well, the oldest is 10 years older than me. Then the next is eight, then six, then two. Okay. So I was definitely friends with the, the older, the one just older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other three had their moments of more f- friends. I, I definitely think that we're all more friends now that we've become adults. Right. In the sense that we can all socialize and, and play games and, and, and discuss things in a way more as equals because we're all developed. We're all, our minds have all finished growing and um, we're just adults now. So um, we can interact on the same, same way. Uh, when I was younger, they did a very good job at interacting with me still. Um, but the older two were older, older than me enough that they didn't play with me the same way that I did with my younger sister. Like my younger sister is my best friend. Like we did everything. Um, and so she, she was the one who I was really, really close with, hmm. but my brothers definitely were wonderful. And I always wanted to interact with them too. It just became a little easier when we all became adults. Right. Right. I, I found the same thing with my siblings uh, because you kind of reach that age where, okay, we're basically the same age now. Yeah, right? it doesn't, age doesn't, doesn't matter anymore. Right, yeah. right. And so um, I, guess, I guess going through that and coming into that age where you're interacting with them differently, was it like a, a weird transition? Did you ever feel like they had to accept you as an adult? Um. Yes, but only that was only my perspective. Okay. I I I honestly don't think that they ever saw me as a little child still as I was growing up. They 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 watched me grow up. Like when I watch I I have an 11-year-old niece now. Mm-hmm. I don't see her as her 4-year-old self anymore. I see her as 11. Right. Like I've watched her grow up. Um and so I assumed that that would probably be the same perspective that they had, that they watched me grow up. Right. And they view me as the age that I am. And they see that I'm an adult. And they know that I'm a grown woman. I'm not a little, little baby sister anymore. And they, and they right. definitely don't, they don't do that either. They don't, I've never felt um, babied by them. And they, mm-hmm. they've never been the protective because you can't do it yourself kind of deal. They've just always had trust that I'm, growing up um i I think that any perspective any um worries or anything that i've had have just come from my own um um what's it called when you're not as confident about that thing and it's your own self-consciousness like you're definitely aware of it, but like you're uncomfortable about it. What's that thing? I think that you're you're self conscious about it. You're self conscious about yeah. it, yeah. But yeah. like it's a self esteem thing, right? Okay, I can't remember the word, but 
any kind of thing that would come out of that was just from my own head. From your own head. Thinking that they don't accept me as an adult. Hmm. It's my perspective or my interpretation of what they're doing. Right. And as I've changed my perspective, it's helped me a lot. Okay, so how how do you change your perspective on things like that and realize, oh, maybe that's just me? Well, something that I've this is something that I've I've done a lot more as I've become an adult is to recognize what the truth is mm-hmm. versus what I feel and think hmm. it is, um, because. There are always two sides to a story. And so when person A says this and then person B hears hears that but also hears something else, um, I do not know where I was going with that. Your dad. <laughs> he he walked in the room, so, and I so all I quietly. could do was look at him through my peripheral vision. Okay, uh, like so. he, he's trying so hard, <laughs> and know. I love him, but love it's your dad. it's. I still have ADD, and I'm really focused on it. <laughs> uh, wait, I love my dad too. We were, we were talking about how you get out of that. Oh trap. yes, yes, right of of, of um having this certain perspective and being very self-conscious of it. Yeah. Um, So I think that it it boils down to me believing in myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was younger, I did, I did not believe in myself and I didn't know how to do that. Like when people would say, believe in yourself, I'm like, okay, thanks for like the most, the best advice with the least amount of, direction how the freak do i do that what does it even mean that i don't believe in myself right now um and when i went on my mission i wasn't around my family anymore i wasn't around my parents and so i couldn't just rely on what i've always relied on mm-hmm. meaning my parents and my family and, and people who already knew me and loved me and you know, I, I didn't have that little safety net, so I had to learn what my safety net was, uh, which was definitely God, uh, which which I already had when I was at home as well. Like, I always believed in him, and so it's not like my faith only became my own after I left my house, hmm. but rather I just relied on him a little more heavily. Well, not even just that, but I learned how to, through relying on him, how to rely on myself. Right. You know, because if I struggle with who I am and I don't know who I am and therefore I don't believe in myself, um, then who does know me? Who does believe in me well god does and i remember thinking to myself one point when i was really really struggling why i and i and i recognized that the root problem of all my struggles why i got offended and why i got frustrated and and why it seemed like nobody understood me and and it did for a long time feel like it was other people 
Mm-hmm. And I recognized it wasn't. And the question came into my mind and I was forced to answer. Well, why don't I believe in myself? Hmm. Okay. That's a tricky question to ask. It's hard to know where to go from there. Okay, so then I asked the next question. Because I know that I believe in God. I don't know why I don't believe in myself, but I know that I believe in God. So let me go from something that's very solidified in my mind and go from there. Why do I believe in God? Well, I believe in God because he is truth. Meaning capital T, truth. In the Bible and in the Book of Mormon it says that. In the scriptures it says that. And prophets have said that. Um, And I believe that and I've felt it in my life. And so I, I know that he is truth. And I believe in truth. Therefore, I believe in God. Hmm. And then, and that's how it came back to me. The next question that came into my mind was, well, if I believe in God, because he is truth, and I am his daughter, am I not then of truth? And I, and when I say I'm his daughter, I I don't know how the whole world views God as a father. I, I, I think some Christian beliefs see God as as a, as a father and that we're we're all God's children. Um and I know others kinda of just view him as as a separate entity than us that that were his creation um but when i when i say it i i mean very literal um spiritually however god's science works i have no idea mm-hmm. um i am his daughter spiritually scientifically biologically in whatever way that means, I don't understand, but I know that I am of him. The same way that my body is made 50-50 of my parents' DNA, I am made of them, um, my spirit, um, the essence of, of me that makes me me, that enters my body and gives me life, and when leaves, I am dead. That That spirit in me that is made of God. Hmm. I'm true offspring of God and everyone is and so understanding that and and I was always taught that as a kid that I'm a child of God but this time really I really it really sunk into me and from that perspective then everything else kind of could fit into my life Hmm. and anything that didn't fit into that I disregarded I I discarded and dismissed any former beliefs about myself or about others that I had that I recognized were no longer in line with what the Lord thought I didn't need to think anymore for instance Um, 
my my brothers see me as a child still and I am just I'm still a kid like how am I an adult to them well do I can I read their minds do I know what they actually think does any of our interactions actually change my worth as a person no, I'm still a daughter of God. My brothers love me. And and I am an adult now. They do see me as an adult. I need to change my perspective on how I I think they see me. And as I've done that, that's helped. And and that I've done that with many other relation, relationships and scenarios and situations um where before I I wasn't confident or I would just immediately take things personally and now I think well does it actually change who I am no I'm I am still of light and of truth and I'm never gonna not be a daughter of God anymore so what does it matter what he or she says or the mistake that I made or what scenario happened in my life or situation doesn't actually change my identity. But the only thing that does change is my belief in myself. And if the Lord, who is the Lord of truth, the God of truth, who is truth, and he's the only one who is truth, and he owns truth, then who am I to say that I'm less or more than what he says I am? Hmm. I don't have the authority to say I'm less or more any anything besides that is pride and doesn't lead to happiness at least this is what i've learned um it's definitely freed me a lot so i'm assuming and tell me if it's fair or not Mm -hmm. to assume this for sure that it took you longer than just like one yeah. <laughs> look in the mirror <laughs> yeah. to, to come to this. So tell me about, I mean, obviously we just went through the process, but how long did it take? And and what were the times like when you forgot, you know, about this thing that you were working through Yeah, and right. kind of reverted back? Right. Well, um, it, it was one night that I had that conversation with myself or, or a prayer. I was praying uh, that, that eye-opening moment when... Now, I say the question comes into my mind. It was obviously the spirit. It was very much so inspired. Um, well, why don't I believe in myself? Well, what do I believe in? I believe in God. Okay, why do I believe in God? Because he's truth. Well, if I'm his daughter, then I'm of truth as well, then I am a lowercase t truth. He's an uppercase t truth. Um, that, that happened just one night. Um, but after that, I realized that all of the habits I had created my whole life were all based off of me trying to spare myself of feeling like I'm less. Hmm. And trying to prove to the world and to myself that I'm more. Um, and so whenever the situation came that 
made me feel like this was, oh, this is proving that I'm less. And then I would fight against it. And I would get offended or I'd get upset. Then, oh shoot, someone's, someone's calling me. I'm so popular. Um, I don't know how to turn this off. I'm just going to answer and then hang up. Who was it? <laughs> it was Jacqueline. Oh, Wilson, Jacqueline. Of course. Freaking love that woman. Uh, my best friend. Anyway. Um, what was I saying before this? You were talking about... Oh, yes. My habits. Yeah. So, right. So, I had to retrain my mind. Um, so, anytime I would get upset or offended, I would have to think, okay, you know what? If I'm upset... I have to stop and think, why am I upset? In what way do I th think that this actually affects my identity? Mm -hmm. uh, a question I, uh, I, have some, I learned to ask myself was, what sort of um, virtue am I denying myself? Um, what virtue, godly virtue, do I think that I'm lacking? Uh, before we go further with that thought, yeah. can you explain what you mean by virtue? I guess characteristic. Characteristic. But okay. because I'm talking in, of an eternal nature, like a, a godly way, right. I guess I would say virtue instead. Or like a strength, I guess. Right. A, okay. a, a virtue is a strength. Gotcha. Patience is a virtue. Right. The best example I can give. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I was denying myself of was truth and light. Mm -hmm. I wasn't acknowledging that I have light. Or rather, I wasn't acknowledging that my light was of God and that it came from my parenthood there. And so because I was denying that, the ripple effect was led to my self-esteem uh, and being offended by people. And, and it... And when I say this, I, I got to explain myself a little more that I wasn't some outruly child who would get offended at everything yeah. and was always frustrated. I, I was a normal, I'm a normal person. Right. And, and I recognized that as a teenager and as a young adult that uh, when I would get upset, it was, it's normal like any other person would. But I don't want to be upset. I don't want to be angry. I don't mm -hmm. want to be sad. Why, why would I continue in this emotion when I could be happy instead? I like happy. Happy feels good. And so if I can think deeper and find a root issue, then why not? It also helps a lot that I believe in a savior who can heal and who actually can solve issues. If I didn't think of that, I, if I didn't believe in that, I probably would go, oh, I'm not touching that issue that is not going to be solved by me because I can't solve issues like that. Um, but I, I have a savior who can heal and save. So what's wrong with being vulnerable then? Nothing. There's, there's, there's no issue with being vulnerable. And I'm safe to be vulnerable because I'm not protecting myself. He is. And he's eternal. He is consistent. Hmm. I, I can't be consistent enough with myself. No one else can be consistent enough with me either because they can't read my mind and they don't know what I need, but the Lord does. So 
when I'm vulnerable. Or, or rather, I don't have to barricade myself. I don't have to put walls around my heart because the Savior has my heart. Hmm. So I'm free to live my life. I'm free to make choices regardless of, without fears, even not, not regardless of, but without. So what have been some of the consequences of breaking down those walls that have been around your heart? The, the confidence or the, the consequences, consequences, the things that have happened. Right. The consequences have definitely been my own um, confidence level. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do, before I go on with that question, I do want to finish actually the, the how, do you, how did you get there? Yeah, please. And how long did that take? Because I, I don't think I really answered that. Um, I had to retrain my brain. I had to retrain what I said to myself. I had to retrain how I viewed other people. I had to... Like it, it was retraining. Every time I said something negative, I vocally changed it. And it was... I had to be very consistent with myself. And I would write things down and go, okay. I would question myself a lot as well. Okay, I'm upset. Why am I upset? Okay. I need to... Or what is a different way for, of me to think of this? How does the Lord think of it? Uh... Does it matter? Why, why am I offended? Um, does it actually change my identity? Does it, how does it define me? Well, it, maybe it actually doesn't. You know? so, and, it, and I think especially, especially retraining my thoughts on how I responded to things. Instead of thinking, oh, I can't do that. I have to go, oh, why do I think I can't do that? Maybe I can. I don't know. Because... I can't see the future. I don't know everything. That includes me saying, I can't. And I realized the more I said I can, the more I could. Um, and what was your second question that you answered that now I've... It, it took months. Consequ- it took right. months. Yeah. Months and months. So over about a year. And, and, I'm, and of course, I'm still improving. I'm still right. growing. And I'm still learning how to be confident in more aspects of my life. When I was on my mission, I gained a lot of confidence in myself in interacting with other people. And not being offended with when people said whatever. Or when I made a mistake, I was like, oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me. I can apologize and it's fine. Um... And so that regard, but on my mission, I wasn't dating. So when I came home, I was like, freak, where did all my confidence go? <laughs> I mean, I thought I was confident. I am confident. No, I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm Sarah. I'm a woman of God and I am strong and I'm capable and I'm kind and I'm confident. Why can't, why is this so hard to say no to this boy who's very, very nice and I don't want to date him. And I'm like, I feel like a horrible person. I'm like, okay. Just because I say no to him doesn't mean that I'm a horrible person. You know, like, it, it, it's this whole new training and, uh, and getting a new job. It's a very new job of, um, as a lifeguard and a swim instructor, that was really, really stressful for me. Uh, I did my training at 22, so the training, the training went well. Um, but my goodness, getting the job was hard and learning 
to understand my boss and what he says when he's correcting me for the fifth time, the exact same thing that he said to me last week. And I'm aware, and I told him that I'm aware. I told him, yeah, I, I know you told me about that last week and I am still working on it and I am working on it. I did notice the mistake I made. And then he continues to lecture me and I go, okay, Sarah, don't cry. This is just his personality, mm-hmm. you know? And so gaining the confidence there, like there's, we're always going to have more things in our lives that we're, we can continue to train ourselves in and, and about and within and such. Like I'm not married yet. So I'm going to get married and go, I don't know how to be a wife. Well, of course I don't know how to be a wife. I haven't been married yet. You know, like after a year of marriage, I'm going to go, I only know how to do one year's worth. Like this is still insane, you know, and when I become a mom, I'm sure I'm going to go, well, I don't know what I can do anymore. I don't even know anything anymore. But because I have the Lord as my constant, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about me losing myself. Um, because I don't have myself right now. The Lord does. The Lord has me. So if the Lord has me, I'm fine. Right. Yeah. And that is your question. What was your other question? My, I was talking about the consequences. The consequences. Then. Yeah. That I just, I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I feel free. It's, it's interesting to me that you have to constantly, uh, train yourself in in every aspect and everything that you do yeah um to to have that confidence yeah and i guess i guess almost looking at it that way there aren't people who are just confident people right you might look at a confident salesman right yes and then you put him on the side of a swimming pool and he has to be a lifeguard well no he doesn't know what he's doing Yeah. Right? Or maybe he does. Maybe he's good at both of those things. But but that only because he's been trained. Exactly. You know what? My my aunt and my mom both suggested it for about a year that I become a lifeguard. And I was like, I do not feel like that would... I don't think that I could do that. Hmm. I, that freaks me out. The idea of... Like, I was a very good swimmer growing up. And I learned how to swim very well. And so I was very confident... I, confidence also comes with knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm coming from as well. Because um, I only gained confidence in myself after I accepted the knowledge that I am a daughter of God and what that meant to me. And so because I was a good swimmer, I was very confident in my own ability to save myself. Right. If I had a cramp in my leg, I wouldn't just immediately start drowning. I knew how to skull with my hands. So I, I would be fine in the pool if I started to get hurt. I would know how to get myself to the edge, and I'd be fine. Um, now, the idea of someone else doing that and then me jumping in to get them, that's, that was really scary. Again, because I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I recognized, I realized, I will become confident after I know how to do it. So with that faith that I would become confident after I learned how to do it, because that's what a training course does. It mm-hmm. teaches you how to do it. Then then I guess I'll figure it out after that. So took the course. Uh, I had to get into shape. Oh, my goodness. I didn't think that I would ever feel like I was drowning. But when I came home from my mission and 
like I, I was in a swim team in grade 11. I was on the swim team in grade 11. Grade 12, I was not. And then I worked for a year, went on my mission for a year and a half. And then a year after that, then I was like, okay, now I'm going to become a lifeguard. Well, just about a year after that. So at 22, I hadn't been swimming since I was 16. And I got back in the pool, did a lap. And on my second lap, I'm like, I'm drowning. This is what drowning feels like. This is actually what this feels like. I need to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm just going to do a back kick all the way to the wall because I need to breathe. Holy freak. I didn't realize how out of shape I was. <laughs> um, but I got into shape. Uh, that took a couple months. Um, and then the course was great. Um, and now when I'm on deck, I feel fine. Hmm. Guarding has become second nature to me. I I am very quick to observe and see when kids aren't good swimmers. I know the signs. So when I see a kid struggling, I can see why he's struggling and what I can do to coach him over to the side instead of not noticing that he is struggling and then only noticing that he is drowning. Right. You know, and and I think that that if if you like metaphors, and I do, so I certainly will be converting it over, um, that is what has happened with me in my life. Mm-hmm. Being a lifeguard is about prevention. It's not about saving people. That's why lifeguards, most of the time, are just standing around and staring at people. But they're also usually telling people what to do because they don't want to have to go in and jump and then save you. Otherwise, we would have to be doing that literally all the time. Mm -hmm. So instead, we tell you, don't do that. Do do this. Walk on the deck. Don't run. I don't want to have to do paperwork because you were running and then broke your arm. And then I had to do paperwork about you breaking your arm. Um, also, I don't want you to have a broken arm. Mostly it's just you not having a broken arm. Not, right. not just it's about It's not, not just about the paperwork. Me not doing paperwork. Right. Yeah. You actually care and, about people. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I do actually care about people, yes. And... And so when I'm living in my life and I'm starting to recognize signs of frustration within myself, I think, okay, slow down, Sarah. Why am I upset? If I am not happy, I check myself for pride. Mm. And, and there's a difference. I can feel it now within myself. If I'm just upset because of something sad happening or whatever, that sucks. That's going to happen. Like, my boss isn't perfect. My coworkers aren't perfect. My family's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Things happen. But when I'm victimizing myself, I can feel it. And I'm not being confident with myself. I can feel it. And I'm not happy. And I'm not progressive. And then I go, okay, 
So slow down on deck, Sarah. What is what is going on? Why don't I feel like I can swim right now? Hmm. So then I go over to the shallow end. I just used finger quotes, but you can't see me. You can see me right now. I can but see. This is gonna be just a podcast, so only voice. But it's hard not to talk with your hands. So I move myself metaphorically to the shallow end and just think for a second why am i upset what action has been going on and in what way am i interpreting it in my mind to mean that i'm that i'm less because i know that i'm not and then and then i can change it back from there and think i am I have great worth. I'm wonderful. I'm beautiful. I'm smart. I am pretty. The other girls aren't prettier than me. There is no such thing as a comparison like that. Hmm. Um, and then... And then I, I'm happy again. So... Yeah, I guess I've I've learned how to see the signs, see the hazards, and then prevent myself from spiraling. Hmm. That's good, and I I think it's good that you continue to work on that confidence and different things in your life. So, right now you're doing lifeguarding, but uh, looking and forward swim and swim well, instructing, which is literally the best thing ever. I'm I'm glad you enjoy it. I don't know if I yeah. can handle it. Guarding is so boring. I just stare at people all day, especially the old people in the morning. Because I open, I'm like, I know all of them. We're all friends. Yeah. I'm like, hey, Jeff. Hey, Jody. What's up? Hey, Nadine. How you doing? And they're like, hey, Sarah. I'm like, hey, Suzanne. What's up? And then I just watch them do their super boring swimming routine. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. I can't wait for <laughs> some kid to come in and run so I can tell them to slow down. There'll be some action. <laughs> But then teaching is so much more fun because I get to be in the water with the kids and right. interact with them, and that's a lot more fun. Right. Yeah. So so I guess looking forward from that, um, and we, you and I talked a little bit about this already tonight. Yeah. But, but um, what what's next for you? What do you hope to see in your life going forward? Um, well, the, you know, the, the grand picture, the, the great dream is, of course, to find a rich husband and to be the trophy wife. Um, but, uh, since I am a woman of this age, which is actually way better, uh, because there's not enough rich men in the world for me to have that dream confidently, uh... And I, I should have a career. And I do want one. I don't know. Because <laughs> I still don't know what career I want. I don't, I don't know. There's no um, definite plan for me at this point. I wanted to make lifeguarding and swim instructing my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm in the job and I understand the the job market out there right now for lifeguards, I recognize that it's... It's not ideal as it used to be hmm. for a career. It's not going to be as easy as, as I hoped it would. 
have been. Um, and also, I don't know how fulfilling it would be. Now working for a year, I recognize that being a lifeguard is super boring. And it's fun. I like it in many aspects. But it's not your forever plan. It's not my forever plan anymore. Nope. I, I don't like standing on deck and staring at people. I'd rather be talking to them. And I'm supposed to avoid distraction. It's really bad. Hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, like, one, the other day I was ta- talking to... I wasn't on deck. I was... And when I say on deck, I mean, like, guarding. Right. I was... I had just finished my rotation. They're 15 minutes long. So we switch every 15 minutes. And I was just chatting with one of the patrons that come to the pool all the time. Um, and we were just chatting as she was getting an Aquafit belt right before she got in the pool. And my boss could see me from the window and I went to the back room and he said, oh, what did she want? Oh, oh, nothing. Like she didn't need any help or anything. We were just chatting. Oh, we'll be careful with chatting. And, you know, sometimes patrons are weird about it. And I'm like, well, that's just Donna. You don't know Donna like I do. I know Donna because I know all of them. And I realized none of the other lifeguards actually chat with the people like I do. No one right. knows them like I do because if I'm going to be there, I might as well know them, right? They're, these are if a lot, and there are a lot of um, patrons that are regulars. Mm-hmm. So it's very obvious to me that I'm way more social uh, than lifeguarding allows, <laughs> and yeah. so that's why I like swimming. Uh, so I'm instructing better because I'm in the pool with the kids. I'm interacting with them. They do count, even though they're not adults. It's still socializing to me. It's still, hmm. um, well, it's it's different. It's still instructing. I'm still in a different role, but it's still that human interaction. Right, right. Whereas a lifeguard, you're just watching. I'm watching them. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I get to say something if they break a rule and I go, hey, just so you know. Right. This, whatever rule. Yeah. So you're not you're not sure where to go from here. Yeah. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, we've got to wrap things up here. But for sure. Uh, my last question uh, that I ask pretty much everybody: say you're you know, a hundred or a hundred and eighty or whatever age mm-hmm. you are when you're dying, and you're on your deathbed. Uh, what kind of life are you looking back on? A life of joy. A life of freedom. Just that I made my own choices. I didn't Mm. let fear or other situations make my decisions for me. I did. (laughs) And hopefully that I swim with sharks lots of times. I love sharks so much. You've been telling me. Yes, I've been telling everybody. Quickly, before we wrap things okay. up, I really need to tell... I realize I, I can't do this podcast without talking about the party sharks. Okay, talk about the party okay. sharks. So, so quick summary of party sharks. Uh, when I'm teaching my kids... I, I, I think it actually really started when I was a kid, and I was at Trico Center. This, this is the pool that I teach at right now, and guard at. There's this wave grate at the bottom of the pool that you can see, and for some reason, I had it in my mind that there were sharks in there, and I was terrified of it. And I remember looking down there going, like, with goggles on and being like, can I see them? Like, I can't see them. But, like, I know they're there. And I would always be scared. And so I recognized my uh, second session of teaching there. It was, you know, I'd, I'd finished my first 
eight weeks of teaching and it was good and I was excited. And I realized I'm trying to get my kids to put their face in the water. They're all three years old and it's terrifying to put your face in the water because it's a weird substance and you can't see and you can't breathe. So that's pretty terrifying. Um, and this random lady is like, hey, come blow your bubbles. They're like, um, no. <laughs> and I realized there are party sharks in the pool, you guys. What are party sharks? And you can see the intrigue immediately mm-hmm. on these children's faces. And they go, what, what are party sharks? That's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. And I say, what are party sharks, you may ask? Party sharks are like normal sharks, but they're all different colors. And they wear party hats on their head. And you know what they eat? And at this point, they're like bewildered. And they're just so enraptured. What? They eat cookies. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Um, And so after this point, I now told them there are fun sharks or party sharks in the pool. So every time they're putting their face in, you say, what kind of, what color of shark did you see? Um, and so sometimes with different skills, if we're learning back glides or front glide, or front glides, not back glides, uh, front glides or front kicking or putting your face in or whatever it may be. Um, you discuss like, what color shark did you see? What activity were they doing? Were they going to the store? They're getting ready for their shark party. Um, when they're on their back, they're looking at pelicans. Um, that's, that's really cool because dolphins and seagulls are way too mainstream and boring. (laughs) Sharks and pelicans are way cooler. Okay. Yeah. So at the end of the session, when we have waves on the last day, that's our shark party. The sharks, the whale teaches the sharks how to dance and that's what makes the waves. And so it also helps kids a lot better with waves because sometimes they just get terrified. Of the waves, and we're like, no, we gotta go name our shark now. Okay, everybody, toss your cookie into the water and give your cookie to the shark. And it's a really beautiful ritual of us saying what, sh- <laughs> what our color our shark is, what's our shark's name, and um, what kind of cookie they're giving them. I have a lot of rainbow sharks named Rainbow, and it's a rainbow cookie that they're getting. A lot of co- <laughs> a lot of sharks are getting a chocolate chip cookie, and their name is Chocolate Chip, and their color is Chocolate Chip or whatever. You know, it's yeah. It's great. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thank you for enlightening me on party sharks. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. For chatting with me about confidence and the yeah. importance of building it and how you can do that. So, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me on the broadcast. And thank you for listening. Not just to this show, but to the people around you. Because if there's any way we're going to change the world... It's by taking five minutes out of our day today to listen to someone in our life 